Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, my people. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by the man, Jason Campbell, here to talk everything Auburn. And we have a great episode for you today. We actually have a lot of talking points today, which is a great sign. We were hoping that this was going to happen once the boys were headed back to campus. And I do feel like things are starting to move. There's more news stories coming out in regards to this upcoming football season. And that is certainly some good news. So Jason and I are going to dive into all of those topics and catch you all up on everything you need to know about the planes. Let's check in with my man, J.K.M. How you doing today, Jason? What's going on, my good buddy? Uh, <laughs> I, tell you, <laughs> I tell you what, don't be jealous of me, though, but I've been outside pruning trees. Um, what, yeah, too? Yeah, yes, I know what I'm doing. I'm pruning trees. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I just finished eating a watermelon. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I'm from the South, so, you know, you prune trees, cut grass, you, you eat a watermelon when it's hot. And it's that is so day. Southern. So that is so Southern. So, <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. Oh, my gosh. And then uh, on a deeper note, you know, I lost my grandmother a week ago mm-hmm. uh, to coronavirus. And uh, so, you know, that's been tough, you know, on my mom and everything because, you know, not being able to, to do certain things that you want to do during this time when, when you lose a loved one. Right. But, you know, we're also, you know, grateful for all the years we had her and, uh, and everything. And, you know, she was almost 85 years old, you know, she was a couple of days from being 85. So, wow. you know, that was a blessing within itself, but just a tough way, you know, the, um, everything. But, and then on the other note, uh, I would just like to say things that are going on in the world, uh, I know we got a lot to talk about, so I just want to touch on it real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Things going on in the world, uh, you know, with, with racism and everything right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my thing about it is, you know, this, this has been a disease that's been going on for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And it's been a bad cough. And, you know, it's one that we haven't found, you know, a, a cure for. And I think now, you know, when you look at this whole world, you're seeing people come together. You're seeing people uh, protest together. You're seeing people mm-hmm. put their arms around each other. You're seeing things that I've never seen in my lifetime. And together, we can all live a better life. And I just feel like, you know, what the devil meant for evil and to divide us and hurt us, I think God is going to work it out for his good and he's going to bring people together stronger than ever. Right. Um, I do believe that those that are in positions to talk to others about, you know, the situation, because let's just be honest, Taylor. like you was born a white person. I was mm-hmm. born a black person. Whatever you was born, you was created in God's image. Absolutely. So you don't have a choice of who you was born to be. So you be happy who you was born to be and excited about who you were born to be, because guess what? We're all his children. We've all created his image. So if you're listening to this and 
you have an opportunity to change your heart or change your, your attitude towards something. And you may not be a racist person. You may not be a person that understands the black race or a person that's black that may understand the whole white race. But the whole thing is what we do understand is we all come from the same place. And together we can achieve more if we pull together. Like what does it matter if you can if you can't enjoy life the way that you want to enjoy because hate is killing the world and dividing the world? Like it makes no sense. Like when you go to a football game, everyone is in the stands rooting and cheering for a team. It's one of the most exciting atmospheres you can ever be in. Yeah. So if you can enjoy that, then you can enjoy everything on the outside of a stadium just as well together. And we just have to find a way to be salt and light in this world. Um, we also, I have a lot of white friends reach out to me this week and it was mm -hmm. special, you know, and, 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 you know, we talked and they said, Jason, what's something that, that we can do to help. He said, I won't ever understand because I'm not a black person. He said, what right. can I do to help? I said, what you can do to help is when you're with your family and you're with your friends, I said, just educate them on things that you may learn from conversations that we have. I said, right. and then just talk to them about changing the narrative that when you talk to your kids that when their kids are around other kids and they see someone say something or something, give them the strength to understand how to stand up and say what is right in those situations so that we can change everybody one by one. Because the reality is some people are going to be who they are. Like it doesn't matter. Sure. You know, you can be black, white, Asian, Hispanic, you know, any other nationality. Some people are just who they are. Like their heart is so stubborn. It's so closed off. They going to have right. to deal with that with God. That's between them and God. But yep. you can control yourself and your actions and try to help those around you grow. And we can all be better together, man. Let's just start to turn this thing around and start to get this thing right because we want our children to grow up in a better world than our parents wanted us to grow up in. Right. You know, every generation you want to be better. So mm -hmm. we don't need to drop back a whole bunch of years. We need to be getting better. And how we do that mm -hmm. is together. I mean, honestly, Jason, like that was one of the most well put ways to explain what's been going on that I have heard. Thank you so much for sharing that, because I think that that is that is so eloquent and so true this year. You know, it's brought so many unique and, and different challenges, obviously, starting with the coronavirus and everyone being in these in their homes and and now this movement. And I I think, you know, we all can find the negative in this year for sure. but. I see a really powerful opportunity that was brought along with 2020 to bring us all together in a way that we haven't been before. And I think there's something really special about all of this happening in, in this period of time. And I'm so hopeful that we are all going to learn during this period and become better versions of ourselves. Because the true reality is we all get so caught up in our day-to-day -day lives. We are all so busy going 90 to nothing and you kind of get stuck in your own ways, like you said. And unbeknownst to you, your ways could be uneducated or unaware of what someone else is going, going through around you. And this year has given us the opportunity to stop 
and learn and listen. And I'm, I think that there's something so powerful about what is happening right now. And I'm hopeful that everyone is, is opening their ears, but more importantly, opening their hearts to what the Lord is wanting to do right now, or, or what you're able to take in from those around you and from what's happening in the world right now, because none of us are perfect. None of us can be sitting here without any self-reflection and, and be able to feel like we're doing everything right. None of us can do that. So right. use this time to grow yourself, to be better and to be better to those around you. Cause I think you'll be really, really glad you did. I'm glad you said that Jason. I really, I really think that was so well put. So hopefully everyone else is appreciative of, of that word from him. Well, I want to get into some different talking points in regards to Auburn football. Obviously, like I mentioned, the boys are back in town and we are <laughs> finally feeling like football is around the corner. They are back for voluntary workouts. Obviously, there are still a lot of restrictions and, and it isn't full steam ahead, but it's progress and we will take that. Uh, it is of note, though, that so they went back to campus last Thursday. On Friday, they were tested, and three Auburn players did test positive for COVID after returning to campus for voluntary workouts. But this is not, uh, unfortunately, rare. I think I, I read Alabama had five tested positive. So we are going to see this. This isn't just an Auburn problem, unfortunately any football program going back is likely going to have to deal with this. Um, but Auburn Athletics Director Alan Green and head football coach Gus Malzahn said last week that the program has put together a rigorous isolation and tracing system in place for players who came back for the workouts, which are voluntary. Auburn had a plan already in place on how to isolate any potential positive cases. So the players are being kept closed off from the outside world for at least the first week. And teams are not allowed to hold practice per NCAA rules, but they're just working out. So just for anyone that's confused on how they are handling this, they are being very diligent. As we said, the SEC has put teams in place at the schools strictly to track coronavirus. Before I get off that, I just want to ask you, so mentally, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're a player and you have been in isolation trying to do whatever you can to prepare for season, and then you finally get to go back, and, but you're back in a capacity that is so not the norm. You know, you're back, right. but you, you're kept away from your teammates in a, big, in a big way. And everyone, like I saw the video that Auburn put out when the guys got back to campus, they couldn't even like hug when they saw each other. They like bumped mm -hmm. elbows, you know? Like what would that be like mentally if, if you're having to balance all of these very heavy real life issues while trying to get back to college football? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I will say that it's it's extremely tough on the aspect of it's so much unknown. You know, yeah. no one knows when the coronavirus is really going to end. No one knows when the cure is going to be found. I mean, a vaccine is going to be found for it. And, you know, and you're trying to you're trying to create everyday life as is is still the same. And right. the truth is, from a mindset, and a mental standpoint to help yourself, you have to tell yourself it's not the same. And it may not be the same for a while, you know, but how can we adjust? And I feel yeah. like some of this was expected as far as like, when you got that many guys showing up, of course, there's probably gonna be three or four guys that's going to test positive. And the other part of it is, this is going to be a week by week process. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that guys are going to really have to show a lot of discipline. Like if you ever wanted to be a disciplined football player or, a, or whatever player that you want to be, 
you super have to be disciplined because the thing is your teammate is really counting on you when we leave this facility not to be going all over the place right and being around other people because we got to practice together the next day and then we got to prepare for a season and we got to do this together so it means everyone really has to buy in hold your teammate accountable to each other and say guys this means more than just football this means controlling and helping one another's livelihood that is such an excellent point. The name of the game this season, if we are lucky enough to see these guys compete on the field, accountability is going to showcase itself. Because mm-hmm. not only have these guys had to be accountable and take initiative during quarantine to make sure that they were staying conditioned and on top of their nutrition and studying the playbook and all of that on their own without anyone on their tail, but now even being back to campus, they're almost new temptations because you're back, mm-hmm. but it's not like you're you're fully back, if that makes any sense at all. all right. But they, they do. They have to have that self-discipline even now that they're back because when you're a member of a team, especially in college, and we could get into the college versus NFL discussion one day because I do think that would be interesting. But <laughs> especially when you're in college, the individual is – pretty much out the window. I mean, like you are in control of of your body and your mind, but you are playing for your teammates, for your brothers. We know that is the case at Auburn. And so your decisions that you're making now that you're back on campus are going to have an implication on your teammates, not just yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like that's the key because you really are holding each other together because sports does so much for the universe. And what I mean by that is you learn how to win, you learn how to lose, but then you learn how to lose with the willingness to come back from that and and be better the next time you step on the field. And in life, that's what we're going through right now. We took a shot, we got beat down a little bit. Now we gotta pick each other up and get ready for the next week so that we can be stronger and better and go out and win this time around so that's the same mindset is what's going on in these locker rooms right now and the teams that do it really well it's going to be the teams that you see being successful early in the season right oh I look forward to seeing that and it does feel like we are getting closer to be able to see that product which leads us to our next storyline that the NCAA is expected to approve a six-week plan to start college football season on time. Now, depending on when you listen to this episode, this might have already happened because we are recording on Thursday and supposedly this meeting is going to happen today. The NCAA is expected to approve a plan with the idea of starting the upcoming football season on time. According to multiple reports, the NCAA's Football Oversight Committee has prepared a four-phase plan Included in that plan are six weeks of mandatory workouts with preseason camp starting in early August. In addition, college football coaches could interact with players in the second week of July. So they are expected to approve all of that today. And then the plan would need final approval from the D1 Council, which plans to meet June 17th. So here is a draft of the plan. So voluntary workouts June 1st through 25th, which we are already into. Mandatory workouts will be 25 days prior to the first preseason practice date, which would likely be July 13th. Meetings and walkthroughs then happen 14 days before first preseason practice date. So that would be around July 24th. And preseason practices would be 29 days before the first game. So likely August 7th. 
do you think that that is a, a recipe for success for the football season? Yeah, I think they're trying to break it up into like quarters, you know, in the football season, you break your football season up into quarters, you know, mm-hmm. you, and, and everything. That's how we always approach um, every year. Win this quarter. And, and that's how you get to the SEC championship game, which gives you the opportunity to go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, they're looking at this now is how do we win the first quarter of voluntary workouts, which means, quote unquote, it's quoted voluntary. But everyone knows if you put the uniform on before, best believe it's mandatory. <laughs> so you better show up. So that's that's the other thing. So they want to talk about move on to the mandatory. It's already been mandatory. Totally. So, so then you you move on to the other phases where you get to get to training camp. Um, you know, guys that go back on July 13th, that's 25 days before the first first tour day, quote unquote, not the real tour days, but tour day. And yep. then, uh, so I think they're trying to get to that first day of tour days in August, healthy as possible. I think they would love to see a huge drop off between middle of June and middle of July. And mm-hmm. then that way it gives them a whole lot more comfortable to start to do more team oriented stuff on the field. Cause right now it's still broken up in the parts. It's going to be interesting to see. I think they're just doing this thing in quarters and hopefully they can get to the fourth quarter, which is the first week in August when they start to really prep for the season, I think is where they're trying to get to the, that's their win right yeah. now is let's get to the win. I'm glad to see that everyone is doing their part and taking proper precautions, but the NCAA has to move forward in, in some capacity and plans have to be set in place. We have to plan as if it's going to happen, but those plans don't necessarily mean it 100% will. So this is all a very confusing time, but hopefully that plan does get approved because it does seem like it's the best case scenario right now. It still gives us a little bit of cushion on more time. Uh, Guys that are being isolated to have that time as well, but still giving them um, the amount of time that they'll need to prepare for a very grueling season. Well, the most important thing, Taylor, you said – you have to have a plan, you know, you can't yeah. just float through, float through life. And when you look at this situation, you can always adjust the plan and you, know, sure. like you can put a plan out there. And then if it need adjusting, when the time gets there, you can adjust the plan, but you mm-hmm. give people something to be looking forward to in the meantime, something to uh-huh. be working towards where you're just not in la la land. I feel that. And the guys need that too. They need to feel like there's timelines in place to get their minds right, their bodies right. I think this is this is a good case for everybody. Well, another topic that I want to talk about, and it is weirdly similar to a topic that we talked about on the last episode, we have another quarterback joining the team. Bowling Green quarterback transfer Grant Loy commits to Auburn for his final year of eligibility. The six foot five, 223 pound Ohio native started seven games for the Eagles last season, throwing for 1,137 yards and six touchdowns, but he is most arguably effective using his legs. He rushed for 427 yards and four touchdowns while averaging 4.3 yards per carry. So did you say six five, 223 pounds? I sure did. Oh man, it sounds like me right now. <laughs> I'm working out. Yeah. I mean, that is a much different scenario than six foot one ninety-five, which is what Kaylin Newton is. So right. 
I mean, obviously we talked about getting that grad transfer and there is, you know, topic that he is open to a position change, which does seem likely, but now we bring in yet another quarterback into the room. And while I think this is great because we know that the depth at the quarterback position is extremely limited after Joey Gatewood transferred last year and whatnot, but this guy brings really intriguing versatility to the quarterback room. I think that, you know, we talked about Kalen Newton a lot and how he could be utilized in a variety of ways, but I, I would think that this get, which obviously we, we still have a lot to see from these guys, but I would think if we're trying creativity at the quarterback position, Bo and, and this guy, Grant Lloyd, may provide different skill sets. I don't know what this means for Kalen Newton. Does he get any of that possibility at the quarterback position, or th- does this pretty much guarantee a position change for him? i tell you what's going on here, Miss Taylor. Let's hear it, J-Cam. What's going on, you know, just from a locker room standpoint is them getting this kid, Grant, goes to show you that, you know, Kalen Newton – was not brought there to be a quarterback. He was brought there to be uh, an athlete because they're going to put in different positions. Mm -hmm. And he may touch the ball at the quarterback position, but it may be like on run situations or a bootleg or something and just to put a threat on the defense and throw something else at the defense to keep them on their heels. But I'm pretty sure he's there to be as a receiver and use as as what we call a NASCAR guy. And okay. we call it NASCAR guys, a guy that you get the ball on sweeps, you give it to him on tosses, you just get him out in open space and try to let him be an athlete and make plays for you. Yep. So bringing this kid, Grant, is kind of solidifies that. It kind of says, like, okay, Bo is our guy. Grant is our insurance plan. And so everyone has learned from the Alabama situation when Tua got hurt last year. You better have someone, if you got a team that has an opportunity to compete for a national championship, you better have someone that can carry it at least two to three weeks if your starter is hurt or right. if the rest of the season, if something happens. So I think Auburn and, and, and Coach Morris has looked at this and has said, guys, we have got to be too deep at this position in this conference. Like, you have to be. And right. this kid coming in, yes, he uses it a lot with his feet. Auburn is used to that. Most of the time, this Auburn offense under Gus has been very successful when you have a quarterback that can run and throw. And, mm-hmm. and you saw a little bit of that from Bo last year in flashes, and now this kid coming in. So if something was to happen to Bo, knock on wood, right? then this kid Grant would step in and you wouldn't fall off from calling your plays as a play caller. You can continue to progress and call your game plan as if your starter was still there because this guy is very similar. So this is a, a good get for them. I think this going they're going to compete a little bit just to, you know, make Bo continue to grow. But at the same time, this is their insurance plan. And a 6'5", 223-pound insurance plan makes you feel pretty good. I mean, that size is going to be tempting. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is 6'6", 220. So, you, I mean, like that's <laughs> – that's really kind of the the stature that you're going to be working with. And honestly, Auburn hadn't had a quarterback of that stature in a long time. So like, not that that's all that there is to it. I think Bo has his skill sets for sure, but I mean, there is a, a level of that being an advantage. So I think it's going to be interesting. I, Lord help us. Let us not do the quarterback carousel again from back <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> no, none of us do please Lord. No, but I do think that this gives you a, a different, um benefit that we haven't had at that position in a hot minute 
Well, you think about goal line situations, Taylor. You know, this kid sits five. You know, I can see them putting him in there. You remember Gus used to do this a lot with Cam. Yep. Was over, over the top. When you're on a two-yard line, you go over the top. We did it the first game of the year last year. Yeah. Uh, with, um, you know, our, our quarterback transfer that went to Kentucky Gatewood. You know, he went over the top in the Oregon game. So, you know, it just goes to show you that this kid will be utilized some form or fashion within the offense, but it's going to be more in short-yarded situations, I believe. You know, I am not, I am not a, a Bo Nix naysayer at all. I have gone on this podcast many a time and given him credit for what he did in his freshman campaign because I think that he was up against some serious giants and he showed composure every single time. Mm-hmm. But what gives you absolute certainty that no matter who they bring into that room, Bo Nix is the guy? Just because one thing is you don't want to get into a situation where that position comes a hot topic on your football team. Mm-hmm. Like your your teammates around you have to know who's the leader of the football team. You're the guy. Yeah. That you're the guy. And everyone has to buy in. So mm-hmm. you can't put things, I'm a halfway buy in. No, you got to all the way buy in. You got to say, I'm right with this guy. Good, bad, ugly. This is our guy until shows us otherwise so I think like you said Bo went through some challenges last year he had a tough schedule uh ran into some tough teams on the road um so the one thing that can teach you the most is experience Mm -hmm. and that's something that he's got now is a lot of experience like when you play at Florida at LSU last year in in critical games and then you have to play against Alabama and then Georgia and Texas A&M and and you open the season up on the road in Oregon, I mean, in Dallas against Oregon, you're yep. challenged. You're already mentally challenged, and you've been challenged from an experience standpoint. So now you get a chance to watch film on that. You get an opportunity to grow. So I think for him is he has the experience, especially this season. I have never seen the SEC have this much quarterback changeover within the totally. year. Yep. You know, we only have two guys, I think, three. You know, you have the, the Mullen kid from Texas A&M, uh, he's probably the Mond. one that has the most experience. Yes, Mon Kelly Mon. Yep. And he has the most experience. And then you have Bo, and then maybe the kid up in Ole Miss. That's and it. Kyle Trask at Florida. Yeah, and Kyle Trask at Florida. And then the kid at Alabama has three stars on his belt. But yep. this is almost like a whole new regime that we're going to be seeing this year. Besides, outside of you know Trask, Bo, and Kelly Mon. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see. Because Georgia didn't have an offseason with their quarterback, the transfer from Wake Forest. And you got these – LSU didn't have opportunity to go through spring ball with their new quarterback. So Auburn has an advantage in that area by, because they had both from last year. I agree. And honestly, even beyond, you know, the, the quarterback changes we're going to see in the conference, we've got a lot of coaching changes too. So Auburn is really one of the only (laughs) teams going in with a lot of stability and a lot of familiarity from, from the top to the bottom, which I think is going to also provide itself a a unique benefit, especially given what this preseason has been like. So I I agree. I was just curious from, you know, you as a, a quarterback, what, what it is about him. And so I agree with you. I think he's the guy and I think they're going to make sure that the team knows that and he knows that, and there's some comfort in that. And there's going to be comfort knowing that the guy behind you could 
you know, fill in where you may still be lacking in ways or, or, you know, the size difference and things like that. So I think it's a good, good situation all around. I'd like to see Kaylin Newton somewhere else as well. So I think that's a great fit as, as well for him. I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see offensively what they're able to do, especially with Chad Morris leading the way. So I'm freaking pumped. I just want to see a game. Good Lord. Well, I got to say this though. You're a guy. I call him your guy. because your Seth Williams, <laughs> he came out and said that everybody get ready to see the ball go all over the place. Like, you know, don't don't get used to seeing one or two people get the ball targeted to them on offense. Get used to seeing everyone involved. So that lets me know that this thing is about to kind of take off in a different direction as far as offensively because the way he came out and said it. This is your number one target. Totally. And most number one targets you ever know, I want the ball. You know, like that's just I want the ball. But this kid had come out and said, and he was excited and infatuated about saying, I can't wait for everybody to see how our offense looked this year with the ball going in so many different places. Oh, we be moving it. I'm freaking ready. Well, actually, I have to transition to a very difficult topic after all of those highs, but we certainly want to pay our respects that absolute Auburn legend, such a beloved Auburn man, Pat Dye, passed at the age of 80. It's been a couple weeks, but we haven't done an episode since then, so we definitely wanted to acknowledge Uh, College Football Hall of Famer Pat Dye, who took over a struggling Auburn football program in 1981 and turned it into a Southeastern Conference power, passed away. Lee County Coroner Bill Harris said Dye died at a hospice care facility in Auburn from complications of kidney and liver failure. And he said Dye had tested positive for COVID-19 after being admitted to the hospital for the problems, but he was asymptomatic. But Obviously, this a guy. This is a guy who made such a mark at Auburn. Not only when he was there, but he continued to the rest of his life. He loved Auburn. He loved what he was able to do at the program, and and he stayed involved, which was so special. Uh, he inherited a program that was deeply divided after only winning three seasons in the previous six years. And in his twelve years, he had a ninety nine, thirty nine, and four record. Auburn won or shared four conference titles and the Tigers were ranked in the AP top 10 five times. Now, Jason can speak to the impact of this man far better than I can, but first want to give our condolences and well wishes to the Die family. May he rest in peace. He was certainly a special man, but Jason, do you have any special stories or memories with Coach Die? Oh yeah, Coach Die, uh, you know, like I said, that was heartfelt. Uh, Coach Dye is one of my favorite guys I've been around. Um, and that's, I mean that. Like, he, he's, he's so real. You know, you only meet a few people in life that just, they real and just raw. <laughs> that is him. Um, it doesn't matter who, who, if you played for him, if you didn't play for him. Uh, we was at this banquet in uh, Montgomery about two years ago. And, uh, and Coach Dye was honoring Coach Dye. And Brett Favre uh, was there, and, and, and Brett had told a story, uh, you know, about how Coach Die, you know, tried to get him to come to Auburn, and then when he didn't <laughs> come and, and everything, and uh, and then how Coach Die got him to come to Auburn to his hunting for him. Like, everybody has been to Coach Die's hunting for him. It's like, yeah. a, it's, like a, it's his magnet where he just <laughs> – he 
will be right over to his hunting for him. That's where he gets to know you, you know, and uh, and he did that to me. My senior year, I had already graduated early in August. Uh-huh. So I was interning with the with the the mayor, Mayor Ham at the time. Lolly Steiner, she was my my boss. So eventually she says, hey, you know, Mayor Ham, I want you to ride around him a little bit and, uh, you know, and kind of, you know, learn and see what mayors do and everything. I said, yeah, yeah, I do that. You know, I said, yeah. maybe I run for mayor one day. I don't think so, but maybe. So <laughs> I ride, I, I'm riding around Mayor Ham and, and we pull up to this big old farm and just trees goes for days. And I'm just like, where are we at? And then here come Coach Die around the corner. His, uh, you know, his um, camouflage outfit, full <laughs> camouflage. Hey, Jason, what you doing? I'm pretty good, coach. Yeah, yeah, I hear my farm land, huh? It's like, yeah. He's like, well, you know, I use this as hunting. Do you hunt? I said, no, sir, I don't, I don't really hunt. Well, we're going to go to the back anyways and see what we can find. So we go out to the back and we sit there and he tells me all these football stories. And then he starts to elaborate on our team, (laughs) you know, know, just about, I think y'all should do this. You do this. You know, you guys have opportunities to assess me. I haven't seen this much talent. Y'all have a lot of talent. And it was so, it was so much fun. I enjoyed that. And then, you know, now I have an opportunity to do the broadcast stuff for the radio team. Uh, We had him on uh, this Mm -hmm. past year and it was our largest turnout in front of Jordan Hare of all the turnouts we've had. It was hit the day that he was there and he was cussing on there and giving it to people <laughs> raw. And he was just letting, he was letting people oh have it. God. And we were just looking at each other like, hey, this coach died. Just let it have, have the mic. Have the mic. I said, I'm not finna tell him, like, coach, you can't be cussing on the radio. I'm like, I'm not finna be the one to tell him that. <laughs> so, so he was just giving it to the raw. The crowd was laughing and just, uh, you know, entertained. And people were just running up there just to hear his stories and what he brought to the Auburn University. And, and, you know, he talked about when he was at Alabama, he talked about going to Georgia and then, you know, his roots at Auburn and, and how to create that rivalry and creating that, having the SEC championship game and all those things get going. And, uh, you know, he's going, he's monumental to Auburn. For and, sure. you know, he's always going to be remembered. You know, it's called Pat Diefield for a reason. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and this guy has the ultimate respect. What I'm going to miss is, I appreciate people that are raw. Mm -hmm. Like you may not agree with everything they do. You may not agree with everything they say, but you can appreciate that person, love that person because you know, you don't have to guess what's on their mind or what's in their heart. He's going to tell you. And that was coach die. And I love him and he will be missed. And he was great for Auburn university and he will forever be in our hearts and uh, you know, rest in peace and our condolences to him and his family and uh, and what he meant for Auburn University. He loved Auburn, and Auburn loved him back. And that's a true Auburn man. Well said. I couldn't agree with you more. Certainly another legacy. That will probably do it for us today. I think that was a very special, heartfelt way to end this week's episode. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Jason and I as we break down everything Auburn. As always, please spread the word about our podcast. Subscribe if you would like so you don't miss an episode. Fingers crossed that we are getting very close to a football season, and when that happens, we will be back to a weekly format so that we can hit you up with all the football knowledge that you're going to need to have. But for now, we will stick with this bi-weekly, so subscribing is the best way to do it. You make sure you don't miss an episode. It's great all around. Everyone, we hope you have a very safe and happy and healthy 
couple of weeks until we speak again. And now, Jason, do you have another quote to leave the people on? <laughs> uh, love one another. Love conquers hate. And, mm. and together we are better. And let's have a better tomorrow for our kids. Yeah. And, and I also want to get a shout out to Tanner uh, on the Auburn baseball team. I know they didn't get you to have a season this year, but he was drafted 36 overall last year, yeah. I mean, last night to the yeah. Cleveland Indians. So, uh, you know, shout out to him and his family. Congratulations. And uh, we look forward to seeing more guys coming out of Auburn and, uh, and living their dreams. So let's continue to strive forward. Let's lock arms, everyone, and let's be better than we've ever been moving forward. You're damn right. Well said. War Eagle, people. War Eagle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.